Hey, what's up? Welcome to the first episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson of 2017. Hope you had an excellent new year and are ready to kick things off the right way. Uh, if you're looking for some inspiration for your New Year's resolutions and have not yet heard episode 171, where I and Mike Dariano go through a comprehensive reading podcast and blog list, I would highly recommend that. I think that reading and learning from experts is one of the best goals that you can set for yourself in 2017, and there's a ton of insight to be learned there. There's also a ton of insight to be learned from today's guest, Calvin Wayman. Calvin is the owner of a social media marketing business, a speaker, and an author. But what's really interesting is in his story, he went from the worst salesperson in his company to the best after going through an intense mentorship with a leader. And we outline and go through all of that process over the next 30-minute interview. I am really excited to be sharing this conversation with you, so I hope you'll enjoy my interview with Calvin Wayman. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. So Calvin, thank you so much for coming on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Aaron, I'm so pumped to be here in episode 173. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. We have had a lot of episodes. We've been busy, but you have also been busy here in the past two years. You started a social media management business. You wrote a book and also quit your job. So I want to start with just in a broad stroke, how you got started down a path of entrepreneurship and these ventures that you're currently engaged with, what what pushed you in that direction? Man, the the desire for freedom, I think, is what pushed me there. There's, I've gone a few different directions with different interviews before, like analyzing where that drive came from. Some have I hypothesized maybe it's because I was homeschooled, and so I always like I graduated high school at home when I was 16, so I kind of did it myself type of a thing, and so that developed. Like I was never part of the system, so to speak, and I always wanted to do things my way, so that's part of it. But just the idea of living my whole life and waking up 40 years later and and nothing changed or I'm living in regret and the only reason I didn't do something was because of fear or practicality because I didn't know if I could freaking do it. Like the thought of that happening was super depressing super suffocating. And I, I ultimately in my day job just got to the point where I was like, I would rather know that I tried to go after the freedom, to go after putting my ding in the universe, as Steve Jobs might say, and fail than just sit here in this cushy management job and wake up and just one of two things. Uh, I'm either in regret because I didn't do anything or two, which for me was way worse or two, I'm fine and content thinking or like fooling myself that that it was okay and that the gifts that I had to share with the world just went to waste and the fire I had inside of my belly to do something, it just dying. So those things are, are, are kind of what really planted my feet to just get on the path and say, I'm going to give this thing a freaking shot. So Yeah, it's, it's really interesting you mentioned the homeschooling thing and I have a few friends uh, that I've made recently who were homeschooled and the 
biggest consistency between them is that they are not standard flow conventional thinkers. They all are outside the box, do things a little bit differently, have their own bet on how they do things. And that's so interesting to me because I come from basically the exact opposite. I went to, you know, quote unquote, good school district, uh-huh. very homogenized high school did the whole four-year college Was thing. that in Pittsburgh as well? or that was Yeah, that was all in Pittsburgh. Cool. And, you know, after leaving, and, and I'd say a little bit while I was in college, uh, whether it's through finding different podcasts or different books or different blogs, have kind of been pulled in that direction. But it's interesting to me that some people kind of have that as their fundamental skill set of being self-starters, of having to kind of direct their own curriculum, which is a newer phenomenon for me, whereas for a lot of my experience in education, I was basically following someone else's lead. Well, in some ways, you and I have that commonality in that I did my own thing, but there were some things that were super handicapped. Like, I didn't really start reading books till my last year in college. No joke. I, I I could never really read and because I would just fall asleep. And so I think the seed was there to do it my own way, but I still needed a little something to kind of put me in the right frame of mind. And it wasn't until, I mean, what are you, 25? 25, yeah. I, I was, so it was, I was like 22, I think, like just three years younger than you in my last year in college where I picked up Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was my first book. And and it's really because I had a professor that I was talking to after class once. And I was like, I have these this fire to do something. I want to make a difference. I want to be able to impact people. I want to persuade people. What should I do? And he said, read a lot. And I was like, how much is a lot? Like five books a year? Because I was reading two at the time. So that would be more than double. And he said, you need to read a book a week. And I was like, what? And And then he said, a book a day would be better. But a book a week would be a good start. And so so I had the, the, I guess, the unconventional thing through the homeschool, but that wasn't quite enough. It was like getting exposed to new ideas through books and reading a book a week since college that I think really – and reading great books, you know, like books that – they're so full of experience of, of the author and wisdom, like How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Think and Grow Rich, As a Man Thinketh, you know? like, And I think that's partly why I wanted to even write my book, Fish Out of Water, is to kind of contribute back to the impact that books have left on me. So... So, so yeah, so I had the structured piece or the unconventional, unstructured piece with college, but then it was or with homeschooled. And then it was not till my last year of college where I fed my mind with this good stuff. And that just really, I, I guess, stoked the fire and let it burn a little bit harder. And reading those books had to set the foundation for the writing of your own book. I have a friend who is yep. an aspiring, aspiring novelist. Mm-hmm. And while well, he's reading much more you know, fiction as opposed to the nonfiction that I, I tend to lean towards, um, yep. he was the one who really planned the idea of like, he's like, I want to write a great novel. I'm never going to do it if I don't read a ton of great novels. Right. And kind of encode the what a quality book is and what quality writing is deep yep. into your psyche. 100%. So my book is a, a personal development book, shocker, right? Um, because that's pretty much been what I've read uh, every week for the last, I guess, seven, six, seven years. So, yeah. Absolutely. But you also referenced uh, this professor 
who was giving you some advice. And uh, another part of your story is the mentors who've helped you along the way. So yes. if we can go back a little bit, uh, I, I guess we're actually going forward from the homeschooling, but, yep. uh, but still before where you are right now, uh, you were in sales early yes. on in your career and struggled and uh, had to kind yes. of make a personal transformation. So can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah. So I guess this is actually per- per- perfectly placed because I sucked so bad at sales. In fact, I hold the record still at that company for the worst performance a sales agent ever had. And the way this is positioned, the way we've had the conversation already, some people never get this side of the story as as to why I might have struggled so bad. And I think that was the con, like the, there was, there's pros and cons to me being homeschooled. I love how it made me entrepreneurial. I love how it made me figure things out on my own. But I didn't have the social aspect that you might get going from kindergarten through middle school, high school, and things like that. And so I was socially inept in a lot of ways, I would say. I did not know how to carry on a conversation. I did not know what was socially appropriate or not appropriate in, in, in a lot of ways. And so when I got into sales, it just I just fell flat on my face. And I think that's partly why I did is just because of the lack of experience. And it was getting in sales and speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, going to college, going around other people that, that started to, to shift a little bit. But I almost got fired because I was so bad. And there was one particular day where I was got sent to my boss's office. We set a meeting up and he was just like, I don't know how you have achieved such great failure. Because if you just read the script, you should convert better than this. And the the reason I was even in sales, I think it's important to note, is I mentioned how I started reading books right in college, right? And I also mentioned that one of the first books I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Well, that book is what actually got me into that sales job. Robert Kiyosaki said that if you want to be a leader, if you want to influence others, if you want to be if you want to make impact, then you need to learn how to communicate with others. You need to learn how to persuade and you need to learn how to sell. And so when I read that, I said, I got to get into a sales job. So that's why why I was there. But there I found myself in my boss's office about to get fired. And I started reflecting why I was there. And in the silence, I suddenly just shot at my boss and said, you said you could teach me to be the best. (laughs) Because he... He did an awesome training that sounded like magic that you could just get complete strangers to hand you money, and it was just amazing. But I was doing horrible, and then when I shot back at him, he didn't respond heavily, and I thought that was interesting. And then I just said, well, you know, in your training, you said you could teach me to be a pro like you. And then he said something surprising. He said, I can, just totally confidently, as bad as I was. He says, I can. I know I can. The question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to be good at sales, to become a pro? And I said, absolutely. That's why I was there. I wasn't there to make a ton of money in sales. Like a lot of people get into sales for the aspect of, of all the, the money that you can make. And I really was taken to heart of what I just read in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Not only did I need it for, for skills, but Robert Kiyosaki says, work to learn, not work to earn. So that's what some of the most successful people do is they work to to learn. And that's why I was there. So I told my boss who became my mentor, who was an absolute beast when it came to sales. He had quit his day job um, just six months prior to this 
to start his own call center that has over 200 people that work for him. Like he's super successful. And he, he, he took me under his wing and said, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you promise to do everything I tell you to do, whether it feels weird or not, then I'll keep you and I'll make you my little experiment. And if you can't, then we'll just part ways. Deal? And I just said, heck yes, that sounds awesome. So that was the start of the mentorship. And there were many challenges that he gave me that didn't feel comfortable um, in sales. But I made that deal. And doing what my mentor told me to do and just getting out of my own way. And like he had some several interesting rules or challenges that he gave me. And I can go deeper into them if you want me to. But it Yeah, was absolutely. Just, Okay, so one of them, he gave me one challenge that day in that office. He said, okay, here's your first challenge. He said, don't hang up the phone until they do. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty easy. And I didn't know what I was accepting at the time. <laughs> but what that meant was after a prospect said, this sounds good, I'm going to buy it tomorrow, I still had to keep him on the phone. Or if they said, I'm going to talk to my spouse first, I had to keep him on the phone. Or even if they said, you know what, this is a horrible price or product, I'm not going to buy this. I still had to stay on the phone. There was no, okay, thanks, call us when you're ready. I had to stay on the phone. And what that did is that it did so many things. Oh my gosh, I did not know what it would have done at the time. But it made my calls go from like one minute to 15 to 30. Some of my calls were over an hour. And what it taught me was to listen. Because I can't just bitch at people and tell them why they're wrong and why my product is right because otherwise they're just going to hang up and they're not and nobody's happy so i had to learn to listen and find out why they're really saying no and what i also learned is there's no such thing as winning an argument you know because i could argue why mine's right and and the person could say yeah whatever you're right and then hang up but who what good does that do i didn't get the sale they didn't get the product Right, So I had to figure out a way to make it from their perspective why it was a good idea. Not just from my wanting a sale perspective, but from their perspective. And framing it in a way that they would like it. And there's a great book I already mentioned on this, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's one of the core principles of that book is seeing it from their angle as well as your own, right? And that's what it taught me. And when I got somebody that said, no, I'm not going to buy this, I'm not going to buy this, I'm not going to buy this. And then after like seven no's, they say yes. I started turning no's into yeses. Then, man, it was just, I was on fire. I, it, it was such a crazy experience. When I got my first no turned into a yes, I was like, holy crap. I literally just made a difference there. I helped persuade that to happen. And it changed everything. And I realized, holy cow, I can make a difference. And then one of my other challenges, when I was, I would get in a, an, a, backed in a corner on these calls when I would try to stay on the phone. And I was like, what do you do if you don't know what to say? Right? They say, I'm not going to buy this. What do you do? What if they say, I'm going to buy this tomorrow when I get my paycheck? Or I don't have a credit card. All of these excuses. What do you do? And my uh, mentor's response was, say something say anything. That is more important than just the act of being willing to say something and say anything shows more than the actual words you say. I realized that it's just, there's so many other things besides the, be the, the, the clever, smart ways that you say something. Just, just 
being convicted that this is the right decision to get this today and just saying something, anything, like there's just so many lessons, so many lessons that I learned doing that one little challenge and staying on the phone and being the turnaround king and turning no's into yeses. And, and it was just doing that that what took me from the worst in that company to in about a half a year becoming among the best and eventually hitting the number one spot in that company. So it was a ton of fun. Couldn't have done it without my mentor. And uh, it just guides me and, and is just a huge foundation of everything that I do now. That's awesome. And, and there's two cool little things kind of baked into there as well. Um, the confidence that plays into it is once you've gotten reps, once you've seen a strategy or technique succeed, then you bring a different confidence moving forward yes. in your own ability to execute, which is so, so huge. And for so many people, they don't necessarily stick with it or are consistent enough to get the reps to the point yep. where they can bring confidence into every single interaction, which is huge. And then another totally. part there that you mentioned is what you're saying isn't so important. And similarly, in some of my sales training, they talk about how people barely even listen to what you're actually saying and the actual feed words, more. Right? Yeah, they feed more off of the tonality as well. And if you're not Absolutely. in person, if you're on the phone, body language isn't necessarily there to play a role. But uh, one of one of the sales trainers I've had is he'd use a technique where any objection, because you're supposed to handle as many objections as possible on the phone. Yep. Um, any objection that comes his way, he, regardless of what they say, just give a, a light laugh. So if, if Calvin, you're like, yeah, Aaron, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Calvin, I think you're overthinking this, man. I just want to talk to you a little bit longer. And the, the tonality that you bring to that situation is disarming and gets people out of their kind of pre-existing mindset of, I'm going to say no, I'm going to get off the phone, I'm not into this, and gives you the opportunity to explain the value proposition that you're putting forward. Absolutely. There's so many cool little techniques and principles. And one of the things too that, that I learned through Grant Cardone and others in my, in my sales training is finding a way to agree with them in a way too, you know, and that's tough because as a sales guy, you want to, you want to just tell them why they're wrong and you're right. But if they say something like it, and it's so hard to do and they say, this is so much money. And you do that lightly laugh. You know what? I agree with you. It is. But you get what you pay for, right? You, um, it's going to be worth it. And price is only an issue if there's, if there's not value to exceed it, right? And I know you're going to love this, so do you want it in pink or blue, you know? <laughs> and just go for the clothes still. And, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was such a fun experience. And I think one of the other things that it taught me, especially in this area that we're talking about now, handling objections, is – the reason people say they're not buying it is typically not the 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 real core reason um, at the very beginning. You have to uncover what that is. The other thing is it's never, ever about price. Literally zero. I don't mean some of the time it is. Like people always – and this is such a big revelation to so many people because they might be salespeople listening to this that just – man, if I could just lower the price on this, I would get more sales or whatever. And like – no, in my experience from selling $19 products or $5 products to $60,000 products, the thing that is – it's all about value. You can't change the price necessarily, but you can – it's all about how they perceive the value in it. you know. And if you – if something was worth $300 and they said this is too much money, 
it's not the $300 because if you were offering them a house for $300, just an extreme example, do you think they'd come up with that $300 to get a house or a Rolls Royce or something crazy if it was even possible? You bet they would, right? So it's all about building the value enough and positioning it enough that it is so far exceeds that dollar amount that makes it work. And so that's the whole focus, I, I believe, of, of the salesperson. And then another thing that you mentioned is that confidence piece. That's what sales is all about. If you, Tony Robbins says that when two people meet, once there's rapport, the one who's most certain will always influence the other person. If you just choose to be confident and choose to believe in a product, that is more powerful than knowing everything about it. Like so many people, uh, salespeople especially, want to learn every detail about a product so that they can answer all their clients' questions. That's very useful, but have you, if you're a salesperson, you've probably answered all of your clients' questions before and they're like, okay, thank you, see you later. You know, It's not just knowing the details, it's being confident in it. And the cool thing is, is you can choose to be confident in it when you barely get the product before you know hardly anything about it. And that confidence that you have in it will always influence more than the knowledge that you have in it. So, yeah, just just several little pieces of anecdotes of what I've learned in the in the process, and it's been super useful in everything that I've created and, and been working towards with my entrepreneurial journey since. Yeah, absolutely, great stuff there. I'm sure people are taking notes. And uh, want to get everyone caught up to now, though. You, like okay. we mentioned, you started a social media management business, yeah. and uh, want to talk a little bit about just what the actual service you're providing with such a business looks like, what yeah. type of work you're doing, and then I know that you also have four C's of social media success, so I'm sure you can tie that in there as well. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a gift that's tied to social media. I can give it now at the end of the, of the call, but I started uh, something called Cobbs Media. Um, in January, um, just kind of catch up a year and a half ago ish, I quit my day job um, to just really jump in this thing. And one of the things I did again, consistent with mentors, is last June, so June of 2015, I hired a mentor in a guy named Nick Unsworth, and I spent $20,000 in, investing in him, which for me, I mean, I'll just be totally transparent here. Just a few years ago, that was my annual income, like not too long ago. And so it was like the equivalent of buying two cars. But I was committed and I invested in him. I was in more debt last year than I'd ever been in my entire life. But the great news is, is this year I became officially debt-free for the first time in my entire adult life. So investing in mentors pays off. And one of the things that he guided me towards through being able to see what my skills were and things that excited me was social media. So through his guidance and things like that, um, this January, January 2016, is what I started Cobbs Media. And what we do is, and it, it's kind of what I basically um, saw what I was doing with my brand, how it kind of went from nobody knew who I was to starting to get um, a little bit of attention and having people from different parts of the world recognize me or talk about me. And I started to analyze why that was and how I was doing that on social media. And so that's what I do with my clients. And I formulated it into something called the four C's of social media success. And so what we do as a social media management company is we basically take people's entire social media presence 
get clear on who they are as a person, what their story is, what their values are, what they believe in, and manage it for them, creating the content for them, posting it for them so they don't have to worry about it and they can just focus on their business. And we follow these four C's of social media success. And those four C's are content, context, consistency, and connection. We could go on a whole nother show on each one of these, but I'll just briefly touch on what each one of them means. And the first C is with content is without content, you don't exist. There's a, one of my mentors from afar, Grant Cardone, I call him my Uncle G. He says that the number one reason businesses fail is not that you have a bad business and it's not that you're a bad person. It's because of one thing, obscurity. Obscurity meaning there's just not enough people that know who the heck you are. That's the problem, right? And so content is the first big piece that you need to have content on social media so it's actually just the posts it's the video it's it's the graphics it's anything that you put on social media that shows who you are tells a story of what you're about and what you believe in that's content and you have to have it to exist the second c is context um context is super important because it's often misunderstood with social media and people always talk about repurposing and repurposing actually works but here's how repurposing doesn't work Repurposing doesn't work if you take the exact same piece of content and you just blast it to every social platform. And people do this. They think their social platforms are just a distribution. And they're not. Every social platform has its own language and its own context. Or, um, so what you have to do if you want it to stick is just change the, the language or the, the structure or the piece of that particular piece of content and make sure it's fitting the context of that platform, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. What you do on Twitter is not the same thing you're going to do on Facebook. What you do on Facebook is not going to be the same thing you do on Instagram. You know, Facebook Live is better on Facebook Live than it is on YouTube. YouTube is great videos, but don't just send, put your YouTube video on Facebook because Facebook doesn't like it. Upload it natively. Just things like that. So you just have to fit the context, understand what the platform wants you to do, and fit the content within that context. And then the third C is consistency. If anybody listening to this, if you were asked to think of a big yellow M in fast food... Who would you automatically think of? Probably McDonald's, right? And if I said think of a red soda soft drink, you automatically know Coca-Cola. Or if I say just do it, the brand I'm talking about is Nike. Everybody knows this. I've asked the same question to dozens of, well, hundreds at this point, different people in dozens of different countries all over the world, and everybody gets it right. Nothing translates across cultures like this. So it's pretty crazy that everybody knows it. The question is how, and how can we replicate it? The reason we know those brands, and everybody knows those brands, is because they have been so relentlessly consistent in who they are and being seen. They're everywhere, and so it gets in our brain. We just know it with like just in a, a split instant. And so if you want to stand out on your social media, then you have to be consistent in who you are, who you're trying to portray, and also consistent in how often you're getting yourself out there and how often you're posting. The average business posts only about two or three times a week, um, but or, or the average even person, personal brand. But if you want to stand out, then really you should be posting on your different platforms two or three times a day. 
And if you do that, then you're going to be noticed, you're going to be seen, and you're going to stand out. Now the last C, and to me this is the my favorite C, the most important of all, and it's connection. Build connections with your people. Know that your followers and your likes are people too. And when you do this, man, Aaron, this this connection piece, I'll, I'll, it's uh, it's so fun. I'll give you one little anecdote of how powerful connection can be. A few uh, weeks ago, I was scrolling through my social media, and I came across a random video of an Australian guy and two other Australians doing a podcast interview similar like this, only it was like there was video, okay? And I was wondering why one of my friends tagged me in this video. So I start watching it, and then I find out why they tagged me. They tagged me because one of these guys start talking about somebody, and the person they're talking about is me. Like, I, they literally start talking about me. I had n- no idea who they were. And I'm like, how the heck is this happening? I, I, I didn't even know any Australians at the time. <laughs> and, and this is what happened. It turns out one of those guys followed me on social media six months prior to that. And when he followed me, instead of simply ignoring that notification that he followed me, I was like, I want to make a human touch. I want to make a human connection and, and acknowledge him back. So I pulled out my phone and I shot a quick video. And all the video said was this. Hey, brother, I noticed that you followed me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The video lasted four seconds. But that video was enough of a connection with him that he has been stalking me on social media for the last six months. Not only did he follow me, but when I came out with my book, Fish Out of Water, he bought a bulk order of my books without me even knowing it. And he was given 10 copies of my book away on that podcast interview to an audience that I never thought I could have reached. And all of this was happening in a country I've never even been to. All of that. Yeah, how'd it happen? One simple four-second connection. And so when you have all these things together, without the consistency, you're not remembered. Without the context, it doesn't stick. Without the content, you don't exist. Without that connection... Your brand doesn't last and it doesn't go deep and it doesn't build. But when you build those connections, it's what takes you from the level you're at now to the next level and the next level. Building connections with your audience. A good friend of mine uh, who helped me gave me some tips on my book, Pat Flynn, who has another podcast, is like he always talks about the taking care of your tribe. And it's kind of that same thing. Getting in there having a conversation with them, talking to, re- responding to every single person that ever sends you an email or ever messages you on Facebook or you even going out to them and messaging them, building those connections. That's what's going to make you stand out. And for everybody listening to this, here's the best news of all if you're looking to stand out. The best news about all of this is nobody is doing it. Literally, hardly anyone on social media is doing this. So when you do it, when you do all four of these things together and you connect, you will stand out like crazy to everybody else, all of your people on your audience, and they will love you. And that's how you will just explode your brand, whatever it is, to stand out past 97% of everybody else on social media. So that's Cobbs Media. That's what we do. 
and those are the four C's that anybody can implement even by themselves to get them pointed in the right direction with social media. Well, that is just a boatload of valuable information for listeners there, Calvin. Thank you so much for dropping that knowledge bomb on us and for being here today on the show. Uh, We got to start wrapping up. But before we issue the personal challenge, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell people your digital coordinates so they can connect and to talk about the gift that you have for the audience. Awesome. So probably the best place to get a hold of me is my website. Just go to calvinlayman.com. You can see all my social channels there. Or if you're on any platform right now, any social platform, you can search me but, or you can find me by, just by searching Calvin Wayman. And uh, something I'm going to give away as a gift is if these, if if building your brand is something that you want to do, then I'm actually going to give away something that I call a free social media makeover to some people on this podcast. So the social media makeover is something that we do with, it's a service we offer. It's normally $300, but we'll give it away for free. You can get a co- or you can get set up for it and get on our calendar to get your free social media makeover by going to socialmediamakeover.org. And again, myself or somebody on my team will get on a call with you, give you tips on social media to stand out, $300 value, totally free. So you can get your makeover just by going to socialmediamakeover.org. Excellent. Well, we'll be sure to link to that, all of those links in the show notes at goingdeepwitharon.com slash podcast. You'll be able to find the show notes for this and every episode of the show. But as we do at the end of every episode, Calvin, I want to give you the mic one final time so that you can issue a actionable personal challenge for the audience. Perfect. In fact, this is going to be fun. You and I touched on this a little bit pre-show and I wanted to, to give a challenge that I think pushes you in the direction of the life that you want to create. And so it's a fun little challenge that I think will do that for you. And that is this. I challenge people listening to this to take a cold shower. Now, a cold shower is fun for me because it's something that I actually practice. Every week, the first shower I take, and every week, so every Monday, I take an ice-cold shower. And I hate it every single time. I've never gotten used to it. But the reason I do it is it's, it's a constant reminder of what success feels like a lot of the time, whether it's quitting your day job or going after something you actually love or getting in better shape or anything that you want to improve on and become better at. At the beginning, it feels a little bit like a cold shower. Like it's uncomfortable. And so it's just a constant reminder, no matter what I'm working on, to just start my week out knowing that just that if I want to be successful, to always be pushing that outer edge. So that's what I challenge anyone listening to this. Go get in the shower, put it on ice cold, and don't get out until your whole body's washed. So ice cold shower <laughs> challenge. There you go. I dig it. And uh, also a good substitute if you're trying to kick a coffee addiction here in the new year. Uh, I think that that'll also really? help wake you up in the morning if you're if Oh, you're there we go. It. There we go. Cool. Awesome. So, Calvin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and I uh, hope everyone will connect with you moving forward. Aaron, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. We just went deep with Calvin Wayman. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. 
Hey, thank you so much for listening to that episode. I appreciate your attention. Hope you're subscribed. If not, make sure you do that and hope that you'll be signed up for our newsletter over at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash join to keep up to date on all the goings on related to this show and some other great curated content from the internet. Going to be headed off to Asia at the end of January. So going to be sharing some updates about that as well. Thank you so much for listening and please make sure that you stay tuned to our next episode with Jacob Zacks. Take care. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.